ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, and everybody in the world. I don't know when you're finding me. I don't know when you're finding this conversation. It might be in the morning like it is right now. It's 10 a.m. on the east coast of the United States here in New York, in my attic. You know where I am, right above the second floor, below the roof. I'm in my attic. And that's where I've been for a, a long time. They let me out for coffee and things like that. But I do, uh, I do tend to scurry back up here to the attic, especially at this time on a Friday, because I'm here to do two things here on Philanthropy and Focus. Well, maybe three things. I'm here to meet with, it's sort of like an outline, right? So it's like the Roman numeral one, and then a couple like an A and a B underneath the Roman numeral. I'm here to meet with the leader of a nonprofit organization. And under that, we do two things. I help them tell their story and I help them amplify their message. And that's what it's all about for me. You know by now, if you've been paying attention, how important the nonprofit sector is to me. How else could I call myself the nonprofit sector connector if I wasn't connected into the sector? That's all, that's a lot of words. And that's emails. Somebody's telling me, Tommy, that's too many words. Relax, get Terry into the conversation. So I do this each week because I'm strongly passionate about what nonprofits do for our world. And, uh, I, you know, I want to just put a couple things out there. If you're looking to follow me and connect with me, TommyD.NYC on Instagram, same on TikTok, and TommyD at Philanthropy Focus, P-H-O-C-U-S.com is the email address. And I want to know, I want you to know a couple things. The event for the Long Island Imagine Awards is in a couple of weeks out here on Long Island. So if you are local, reach out to me. I'll get you hooked up on uh, the details for the Long Island Imagine Awards, or you can just go to Google and type in Long Island Imagine Awards. The New York City, the second annual New York City Imagine Awards applications are now available for you to complete. Uh, it should take you, I'd say, 40 minutes to fill out the application if you're going to you know, commit yourself and, and uh, make a valiant effort at it. 45 minutes to an hour tops. Really, that's it. Um, but, but I think uh, it's a special experience to be involved with the Imagine Awards, whether you're an attendee, whether you're a finalist, whether you've been a winner of the Imagine Awards. But in New York City, it's all brand new, really. Um, all right, let's get into today's show. Let's keep this moving. I, you know, we know you didn't come here to hear about my voice or hear my voice, just hear me drone on, although that's part of why I showed up, because I do like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> but I do like the sound of my friend Terry's voice as well. So first, Terry, before I do a little background and, and kind of read off the script, I'd like to say two things. Thank you. Well, three things again. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to the show slash so i can say it was just three things slash welcome to the attic thank you it's good to see you well how are you today i'm great tommy great thank you so much and it's a pleasure to be on the radio today with you in the attic i love it thank you people you know one day this attic is going to be like a place where people can actually come to you know i don't know if it'll be this attic but some attic somewhere we will all meet in and we'll have a networking meeting there so all right terry we talked in the in the virtual green room about sort of the background, your background, background of the organization. But I just want to read real quick, and I'll I may go back to this throughout the show. But the mission of the Michael Magro Foundation is dedicated to support to the support of children with cancer and other chronic pediatric illnesses. So, the Michael Magro Foundation is a five hundred one c three nonprofit founded by Paul and Terry Magro to honor the life of their son Michael passed away from leukemia at the age of 13. I'm sorry for that loss. It's, it's tragic, obviously. And this organization is, is Michael's legacy, really, right? And, and has made an impact on so many families and so many lives um, in, in Michael's memory. So I, can we just start with, I, there's other stuff I could talk about who you're working with, what you're doing, but I want you to sort of tell me the story about Terry and then, and then how this foundation really came to be, if you, if you don't mind. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity again. So, you know, Terry grew up in Queens in a uh, medical family. Uh, my father was in radiology and um, our entire social network growing up was nurses, doctors, etc. So being a clinical person and getting into the medical healthcare field was always right there on, on top of, uh, on top of my ideas. So I am a nurse. I uh, worked at St. Francis hospital. I worked at a couple of other hospitals and then somewhere in the eighties, I graduated. My undergrad is from Malloy. Um, I graduated in 1975. I decided that I wanted a little bit of a career change from the clinical setting, and I was introduced to the world of medical sales. So I got involved in uh, medical sales, and I, I 
just it really soared my career. I did a few other things in between. I don't want to bore you with all those details, but that, you know, everything happens for a reason, Tommy, right? In life. So that particular juncture of my life, when I got involved in sales, I didn't think I could sell anything, but I was good at it and I sold medical equipment. So if you can sell a commode to somebody, I think you can sell just about anything, right? <laughs> Wow. But out of that. That's a one-liner. Uh, We're going to save that. That'll be fun. <laughs> highlight reel. If you could sell a commode, you can sell it. sell anything. So I got involved with uh, my, my accounts and I'm very passionate about whatever I do. And I listen to the needs of people and, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth. So listen. So my, my boss at the time had said, you know, I keep getting all these calls and, and these hospitals you're working with, they want sponsorships. I, you know what, I could write a check, but they want more than a check. They want somebody to be involved. So why don't you just figure out how you can make this happen and strengthen our relationship with the uh, hospital, with the hospice care network group, whatever. So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? It's a new adventure for me. I'm up for it. So I, that's kind of how I started in uh, learning about fundraising and networking was back in the days of Hospice Care Long Island, which is now Hospice Care Network. They asked me to help them with their gala, with their golf outing. I know nothing about either of those at that particular time. I've learned an awful lot over the years. So when our journey in life turned around in 2004, and the boys, both of them got sick. My cancer survivor is my son, Mark. Uh, Mark just turned 29. He had Hodgkin's lymphoma. And then Michael, um, in May of that year, um, started to not feel great. In June of 2004, a few short months after Mark's diagnosis, Michael presented with pneumonia, which was really brought leukemia to the forefront. So they were both in cancer treatment at the same time. So this was, um, this was a a nightmare, not a journey, but it was a journey. Um, and we decided after Michael was diagnosed June 8th and died on July 30th of 2004, Mark had just finished his last radiation treatment and Michael was put on a ventilator. So you can imagine how crazy, how crazy yeah, everything I, I don't was. know if I can imagine. I mean, I'd yes, have to try that because insanity. what one, one child going through that, but both your boys mm. at the same time, I, I don't, I can't grasp it. It's, it's, yeah. It's not easy. It's, and I don't expect anybody to, but, you know, with the strength that Paul and I had and everybody that was around us after Michael's passing, I said, you know, this, everybody's kids are great. I said, this kid was just so great. He was a peacemaker. That's how his friends, you know, responded to him. Uh, he was in seventh grade. He was 13 years old. We decided we were going to start this foundation. And, you know, Paul at the time was like, I started 501c3. Are you crazy? What do we know about this? I said, I, I got this. It's great. It's, it's good. I've done fundraising for years. I can figure this out. So with the help of an accountant and a lawyer friend and whatever, we, uh, we started it. And, uh, and that was the beginning in 2005. We incorporated as a 501c3. And um, I just, you know, reached out to the people that I had worked with for so many years and said, you know, I need to start fundraising and help me come up with some ideas. And one of Paul's chef friends, because he's a chef, came up with an idea of a tasting. So that was our first event. And, uh, you know, we've just gone, um, we've just, you know, kind of kicked it back and went with whatever anybody's ideas were. And we are now, you know, entering our 17th year of being um, involved and growing this foundation. And it's all, you know, based on, the grassroots people that started with us. And so the tasting, and I've been to the tasting. In fact, um, my dad hooked me up with the Italian ISIS to go scoop some uh, Ralph. Right. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's been gone this whole co last couple of years. We haven't done it. Right. Um, it's, is it coming back this year? It, not this year. Uh, there, people are still struggling a lot. We're, we're thinking about the potential of bringing it back for next year. Um, yeah. And, and just really this year, we'll, um, we'll just focus a little bit, you know, when, when COVID numbers started to escalate again in November and December of, of last year and into the beginning of this year, we decided this may not be the right year to bring it back. So we held off on it, but uh, hopefully it'll come back. It'll come back next year. It may, may look a little bit different, but, um, but we're going to give it a whirl. We're going to certainly try. Different. I'm telling you though, I'm, I'm thrilled to be back out again. I mean, I joke about being in the oh, app, you know, but I, I did like even just, you know, I was down in Tampa for a few days and we talked earlier this week, you and I, um, at, but, you know, I was at an event in Manhattan on Tuesday at the 
Museum of Jewish Heritage down in Battery Park, and I, I'm mm. going to go back, and I was invited to come back for a tour, and I'm very, um, I'm very interested in learning more about that organization. Uh, but I was there for the nonprofit BoardCon on uh, on Tuesday, and it's just great to be back out seeing people. And I will tell you, I actually am feeling like super comfortable being out. Like, I, and I hope it's not a false sense of comfort, but I, it feels pretty real. So I, yeah. I, I no, feels uh, great. Just yeah. you know, seeing people. I'm I'm telling you, it, this might get me in trouble with people. I'm back to hugging people. I'm hugging people, man. It is what it is. You know, I Terry, if I see you, I'm gonna. I'm, you. I'm with you. We're, we're all we're all about those hugs. Oh, yes. I love yes. I love I love yes. human contact, man. It, I I I thrive in that setting. You know, um. So I I want to get into the the real. I, I always am taken. You know, we have a family foundation in memory of my cousin, Linda, who passed away, the Lindy Lou Foundation. And Linda had special needs. So all the money that gets raised from the Lindy Lou Foundation goes to organizations that are working in the special needs community. Horse Ability, the Spirit of Huntington Arts Center, right? All, all these organizations that are supporting uh, those individuals. I'm always taken, and I'm even taken by my aunt and my cousins. I didn't found the Lindy Lou Foundation. I'm just kind of like a mouthpiece. You know, I'm a guy who can make some connections and whatnot. But I'm always taken by a family who says, I'm going to take this tragedy, and I'm going to make an impact for the rest of the world. I mean, it takes incredible character, Terry. I mean, it's not I, – I, I don't – I hope that's not lost on, on you, like, that, like, what a big deal. Some people just go away, mm-hmm. right, you know? Why or how did you say, we're not going to go away, we're going to do this thing? You know, it, it's, it was difficult, but um, <clears throat> it was really the only thing that I could do. I, I knew that I needed to do something because, you know, not, not to be too religious on you, but it was just a, a message that I had that we, we just had to help people. Uh, you know, walking this journey with these families, I'm listening to all these stories and I'm hearing, you know, what, what they're going through. And I was going through the same thing, but I realized that we were fortunate to be able to sustain bills and be able to keep things up to, to, to speed and not lose anything, where a lot of these families were not. So when I approached, it's NYU Langone Health now, but it was Winthrop Cancer Center for Kids at the time. When I approached them and said I wanted to start this organization, and basically the goal was, to help the families directly. Um, they were like, what, what are you talking about? And I said, I, I want to just be able to donate and work with social workers and case managers and child life specialists and find out what their needs are and what's keeping them up other than their child's diagnosis at night because they can't pay their bills. So that's, that's really when I started to talk to these people, it was like, oh my God, Everybody wants to have their name in lights and wants to have their name on a building or an annex of, of, a, of a building in a hospital, but you're really connecting with the families. And that resonated with these social workers that it kind of went through the wires like like crazy. It was like was on it fire. So, was it, it's almost like it was foreign to what Yeah, they- it was to them because they never really had anybody that understood what the families were going through. So here I am, I'm a clinical person, so I understand that piece of it. I'm a mom, and now I'm a mom that lost a child. So I, I kind of went the whole gamut of understanding what's going on in their life and how devastating it is. And it, it breaks you, Tommy. It, it actually just breaks you. So you know, my story is powerful, but so is their story. And I needed, I needed to be able to tell these people that I'm not doing financial checks. I don't really care what people make, honestly. Um, when your PSEG bill's not getting paid or your water bill's not getting paid and your car is getting picked up because you didn't pay that, what, what are you doing? I, I don't care if you make 500000 or 50000 So the social workers were just um, amazed. And they said, you know, if, if it wasn't for your clinical understanding, I don't think you really, like, people don't get it. They, they really just don't get it. Everybody comes back and says, well, insurance pays for it. Insurance pays for it. Insurance does pay for it. It pays for the inpatient. It pays for the procedures. 
but it doesn't pay for the co-pays. Now people have high deductibles in some cases that they have to pay. And nobody's underwriting, you know, the gas and electric bill in your house and the mortgage. So that really was the beginning of how I brought my board together and my volunteers together. And I said, this is the passion that we have to have. And we have to be strong and stick to that as our as our mission. We're not, you know, we're not funding um, any brick and mortar. I'm I'm funding. And last year we we paid out over two hundred and ninety thousand dollars to families to some program development in the hospitals. Um, but in order to be able to to run an organization, you have to be very clear and inspire people. And you do that by, by your actions and showing them exactly what you do. So social workers are a very close-knit group, as are you know, clinicians and child life specialists, as I mentioned before. And they all talk to one another. So as a result, I get calls now from all over the United States, which is great. But you have to be focused and be transparent. We, we tell people, our donors, exactly where all the money goes. We send newsletters out. We do end-of-the-year reports that just break down how much we paid in medical expenses, parking. Parking in New York City is a fortune. Yeah. So now you're not working. You have a child right, so, in treatment. So one, so one of the – we're going to sneak out to a quick break, so I want to just pull us there and we'll come back. But So you have – Maybe one of the parents now cannot work, assuming, you know, <clears throat> living here on Long Island, like many places around this country, two income households oftentimes, right, just out of necessity. Somebody now has to pull back and maybe cannot work or has to put that lose hours or whatever the case may be. And expenses are increasing, right? Add in the stress of a, of a sick child that, you know, forget about it. I can't imagine how this all gets exacerbated. And then it's like, well, what do I do? Oh, now the, now the rent is due. Now. Now they're going to turn off the lights. What do you mean turn off the lights? Do you see what we're dealing with here? It takes an organization and it and it's it's like um because I can't think of another way to say it. It's like the perfect storm. Terry Magro has the clinical background. She she goes through this experience on her own and you and Paul see this opportunity in in the space to serve, right? That's what exactly. that's it's exactly. I, want, I, I know you want to respond. I want you to say a million more words. We just kind of sneak away for a quick second. Terry Magro, Michael Magro Foundation is here with me. This is Philanthropy and Focus. We'll be right back, Terry. We will hit it hard, I promise, as soon as we get back. Right back. <laughs> Thank you. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics in the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
please watch my guest for that first break when we come back, just in case you never heard this song before. I proclaim, Terry Magro, that I have the only radio show that uses the word attic in the, in the theme song. I, <laughs> I don't know it to be true, but I will proclaim it to the world here. Somebody <laughs> challenge me if you have a song that uses the word attic. All right. We are in my attic. It's philanthropy and focus. We do this every Friday, and then you can find us everywhere else after this on all your podcast platforms. We're checking in live. You come to talkradio.nyc to listen. And you go to Facebook Talking Alternative Broadcasting to watch and listen as well. I shared during the break the website. So if you are watching on Facebook, you'll see some of the work that the Michael Magro Foundation is doing. The Michael Magro Foundation, Terry, correct me if I'm wrong, does not write $100,000 checks to put Michael Magro Foundation on the side of a building somewhere, right? right? Not buying the annex at Northwell Health or something like that, right? This is impact. This is paying helping families who are going through this ultimate challenge helping with doctor appointments uh diagnostic testing and helping them navigate these things and then helping them pay bills like pay for their utilities their rent heating oil it says here on the website right natural gas i guess if that's in, in the scenario for the person grocery gift cards i mean the basic stuff it's like terry go ahead take it away i mean this is real stuff so yeah, it, it it really is. You know, we we buy uh, gift cards uh, to Walmart and Target and Stop and Shop, and we're always asking for gift card donations, gas you know gas stations, Visa cards, etc. We had a call from a um, from a nurse one day, and she said, um, you know, I have this family. I just have to relate the story to you. I have this family that said, did that lady ever drop off any additional Stop and Shop gift cards? And uh, the nurse said, yeah, actually, she did. Do you need something? And she said, yeah, I do. So she came on down to to the clinic and picked up um, two $50 gift cards to stop and shop. And her little toddler said, can we go buy orange juice now? <laughs> really? Basic, the basic, basic needs, right? Basic needs. You know, Dr. Weinblatt has called me personally to say, Terry, I want to discharge this patient, but... Um, they have no oil in the house. Uh, can you please, it's a Sunday afternoon, I know, but can you please just call the oil company and put it on your credit card so that they'll make the delivery because they're not going to wait for a check to come. And I can't keep this child in the hospital another two days or three days to wait. So those are the types of things that people don't realize um, is happening. And this is happening to people of all economic you know, status. It, it just goes right across the board. If you don't have it, you don't have it. Um, it's it's very very impactful what we do. Yeah, it just there's so many people. I don't care if you make fifty grand or if you make five hundred grand. The point yeah. is, you know, if you go to your, you know, not necessarily your financial advisor, but the idea is it's how much you keep. <laughs> you know, if you make a half a million bucks, but you spend five ten, you're in trouble. There it you go. Matter. So yeah, then all yeah. of a sudden something like this hits you and you, you have to limit your work. You have to limit it. it just, it's a game changer. And, and to add a, you know, the old to add insult to injury, right. It's, it's just this, now I'm dealing with this situation and I can't make ends meet. It's uh, again, it's just tragic. What, what people have to go through. You're, you're making, again, you know, this, I'm sure you do, but I find sometimes I like to just tell my friends, you're making incredible impact. You're changing the lives of people. You said, Doctor, was it Doctor Weinblatt? Weinblatt. Mm -hmm. He's the chief of pediatric. He's uh, the chief oncology. of pediatrics, and he's calling to let you know, hey, hey, uh, Terry, yeah. this family. I, good news, this child gets to go home, but it, it's, uh, you know, it's January, and it's freezing. Yeah. And they yeah. don't have. Eating. They have no yeah, it's still, and and these stories go on and on and on. It's it's just utterly amazing. You know, I had a donor at the beginning when I was starting the school reentry program, which is one of our um, signature programs, and he said, "I don't know why. Why do you need fifty thousand dollars to start this program?" So I'm I'm explaining to him it's a school reentry program, and we're not charging the families, the school, anybody, but we want to gap. We want to bridge the gap between the hospital and the school system so that they're comfortable when the child is on treatment but is coming to class. Because Dr. Weinblatt's philosophy is keep as much normalcy in that child's life. The child just wants to, they, they just want to be involved. They, you know, they don't want to hear day in, day out. It's in their mind already, but they don't want to hear it all the time. I have cancer. I can't do this. I can't do that. They just want to be a kid. That's all they want to be. 
So this program allows them to get back into the school system and to educate to a minimal extent, but to educate the gym teacher, the classroom teacher, the principal, the kids in the classroom to just kind of look and see how this child is doing. And if there's any changes that kind of jump off the map at you, call the clinic and we'll take care of it. And um, it's it's a powerful program, and we've seen a lot of changes. They've actually changed medication regimes. Uh, one child had it. Uh, they found out through this that there was a big cardiac issue going on that was almost undetected. And so now the pediatric cardiologist got involved, and they had to do some major changes. And the result was how he was reacting in his gym class that caused the gym teacher to call the cancer center. So. These things, it's it's not like you broke your leg, Tommy, and in six weeks you're healthy again, or or six weeks you're well on your way to becoming healthy. This this is treatment plans that can last three years. Um, we're we're feeding them chemo and radiation, which is helping to to cure it. But it's at the same time, the system. What is it doing? You know, it, that is exactly that's to kill the cancer. But as we all know, a lot of good cells, a lot of healthy cells, get beaten on that too while it's going on. And what does it do for the whole the whole system aside from Again, I am not a clinician. I am. Yeah. Not no, a, you're you're a hundred hundred percent right. And basics, you know, it co- it causes other it can cause other cancers. Um, you know, the latent effects of cancer can go on for um, over a decade, uh, well over a decade, where something else can pop up as a result of the radiation, which at the time was part of the protocol, and that's what they learned. So the research I leave to the research people. Um, I just want to help those people getting through their day because, you know, I, I can donate out 290000 and have a big impact on an awful lot of families. Mm-hmm. But that same, you know, money towards research is helping, but I'm inspiring and really providing a service to help those people today. I, I just want them, if they can smile for just a moment and say, oh, my God, that bill was taken off my plate, that's great. We've had families come back to us years later that run third-party fundraisers for us because they now want to give back because we were perfect strangers and we helped them and their own families didn't help them. I, I literally felt myself sigh out loud because it was like, as you were talking about the payment of that bill, it's like a sigh of relief. Like the family, you know, you haven't solved all of my problems, but today is a little rosier because of the impact you've made and, and the orange juice or, or the heating Right, the yeah. basic, the basic stuff that I, I want to touch on some of the program specific, uh, but the program you just mentioned, is that a program of the health system, the program, the it, school, program? The and, school and reentry program? It's a program that um, we designed and trademarked with the cancer center for kids. So there are similar programs at other hospital systems, but this particular one is running right out of Winthrop. So um, the, you know, once the families agree to have uh, to, to have us involved and to go to the school system, it's been a challenge these past couple of years with COVID, but nevertheless, um, you know, we try as, as best as best we can. So the social workers, there's a big psychosocial component to it, and there's a clinical psychology component to it. So it has it's multi-leveled. And the what they try to do is find out on a um, on a neuropsych basis without getting too clinical what's going on with the child so that if there's say there's an ADHD issue and that's something the child and now is diagnosed with with cancer and is going to start on chemo let's see what kind of reactions are going to happen and how that child is going to respond. So the neuropsychologist takes care of that. Neuropsych testing is not something that insurance companies readily pay for. I'm not even sure if they pay for any of it at all. So we um, underwrite that. That's a big part of the cost in the program. And uh, some of that program is underwritten by grants and some of it is underwritten just by us. But we fund it 100%. Nobody is responsible for anything. So so that that takes case... uh that goes into play when when a child is re-entering school is going back that's when so that program isn't necessarily for all children that are no. okay all right so i want to talk um you know we have life essentials we have project soar let's start on life essentials we're going to go to break in a minute or two but let's talk life essentials and what that looks like i think yeah so so life essentials is really what we dubbed as as the basis of of what we do every single day and that's um that's the referrals that come from the social workers they vet the patients that come if a patient calls me and asks for a gift card or to pay a bill 
the way I vet that person is to reach out to the social worker wherever they are, and then they will scan the bill to us. And that's the utility bills, the rent, parking, medical expenses, co-pays, anything, gift cards, anything that's just keeping them going from one day to the next. So we do a lot of a lot of gas cards, you can imagine right now. A lot of Uber cards we, you know, we, we have. Um, do you see people donating that to you more so than like, like, so is it, maybe it's the same thing, but if somebody writes a thousand dollar check to the Michael Magro Foundation or says, I'm going to go out and buy $20, $50 gas cards and gives it, the, is it kind of the same? It's the exact same thing. And we're always encouraging, you know, that type of thing. Sometimes even just a Visa card because then they can pay for something. Target and Walmart are big ones because they have everything. There's pharmacies, there's food, there's clothes. Um, So it it really goes across the gamut. And we'll, you know, we give those cards to the social workers and they dispense them. We're we're not the ones dispensing them. But I always have a couple of extra when I'm paying somebody's $300 worth of parking fees at a hospital from New York City. I'll add a gift card to that check to, you know, to send back to those people. So as much as I can pay direct to vendor is what I try to do. I'd like to do it direct to the water company, the utility company, the, the landlord, um, so that it, it's definitely going in the right direction. Because when you have a hundred bills sitting on your table and you don't know where to go and someone sends you a check for a thousand or two thousand dollars, you're like trying to figure out what I'm paying. But meanwhile, what's really important was getting that rent paid, but you're looking at maybe I could take three others off my plate. So we work very closely with the social workers to figure figure out how how that funding is going to be spent because again you, you know the parents the family they're not in their clear mindset they have, not at all. They have <laughs> a totally different priority they're not looking at that stack of bills and, and navigating through it uh most efficiently so so it is helpful to have that outside agency you and the social worker looking at it to be supportive there we are going to go to another quick break we come back though i want to talk about project soar i want to talk about what i, I want to talk about how an organization like yours, how many employees do you have again? Like 150? <laughs> we have we have an all-volunteer board of uh, 11 people, and then we have some scattered volunteers. <laughs> um, most of my friends run organizations that, um, you know, are, are grassroots, are, you know, volunteer-based, and some of my friends have much larger organizations, but uh, I want to know how an organization does all that because I think it tells does all you do through volunteers and an engaged board, which I think is a great story to tell for my other friends who run nonprofits. A couple quick shout-outs before we go to break. Dylan, I promise I'm going to let you take me to a break in 10 seconds. Mike Billy is checking in. What's up, Mike? I saw you the other day. We didn't even get to talk at the uh, St. Patty's Day lunch with the Queen's Chamber. And Mick Collins is always checking in on Facebook. So thank you guys for your support. Terry, we will be right back. All right, we'll get right back into this. Cool. Thanks. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauber, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need 
Stormy in the Attic. That's like a command. It's not even a question. That's Brendan Levy, my good friend, my uncle. I call him for the Queen's Chamber of Commerce. He wrote, all right, he sings the song. We wrote the lyrics together. I don't know who's going to get credit for it when it w wins like uh, a Grammy, but I'm not, I don't think it's really going to win a Grammy anyway, everybody. All right, so <laughs> Terry Magro is here. Um, look, Terry and Paul found, and her husband Paul founded this organization uh, in, in memory and as a legacy to, um, to their son, Michael, and to really make an impact on other families who are going through this challenge of, of a, uh, a child with an illness. Um, I, you know, Terry, I'm so touched by what you do. I'm, I'm touched by the impact you're making. I literally, I'm a vision. I, I, I like to like a visual person. So I see the families receiving the cards in my mind's eye. I, I see, you know, you or somebody on your, on your team, you know, one of your volunteers calling in PSE&G, you know, or, or uh, uh, and making those payments. Like I literally see that happening. And for me, that that's direct impact. And I, even the question I asked you before we broke about the difference between writing, writing a check for $1,000 or going to the store and buying $20, $50 gas cards or some other variety, there's something to that, I think, as a donor. And there's something to that as somebody who's raising four children and trying to show them the, the impact that we can make. That's, for me, a key differentiator where, you know, I, I did the thing. I drove to the Walmart. I bought the cards. I then went to Terry's house or wherever and dropped off the cards with Terry. And then, or she said, Tommy, bring them to this social worker for me or whatever that was. That activity did something for me and changed me. You know, I'm not saying just me. I'm saying as a person, as a human being, as a donor, that's important to do those type of things. I, um, I misspoke right before we went to break. Project SOAR is that school reentry program. So the one program that I did want you to touch upon, and then I really want to hear as a nonprofit leader, talk to me about the success of an organization and, and take, you know, even from those programs you did when you were in selling durable medical equipment and you got involved in those other events and how some of that, you know, kind of spoke to what you do now, but the, the bonding with baby program, that's a, another program of, of the MMF, right? I mean, can we touch upon that one a little bit? Sure, sure. That that program uh, also, because my home hospital is NYU, Long Island, um, that we work with a lot of the NICU babies and um, some of the child life specialists. And child life specialists, I mentioned a couple of times, they are masters prepared, music therapists, art therapists. Um, they're not a clinical uh, position, so everything is fundraised for them. And they had this great idea of having the siblings of these infants that are in the NICU unit have some sort of connection. So we, um, we jumped on with them and started this program where they would, they would have some music, uh, the child sibling would talk to them, sing to them, and we would have it on, you know, CDs or however they were doing it. It's, it's kind of taken a little bit of a hiatus with COVID, but the infant would then be able to relate to the sounds and the voices of their siblings, their parents, anybody else that could come in. And then we did like a little pizza party, have the siblings of all these different kids come into child life. And these kids would talk among themselves. And believe me, the power of these kids when they're five, six, eight years old, all just talking amongst themselves about you know, their baby sister or brother that they don't know if they're going to come home and how healthy they're going to be. It's just amazing. So, you know, you, you really can't just look at the patient in the hospital. You have to look at the family as a unit. And it's really very important because if you start pushing the siblings away, whether that diagnosis is a sibling has cancer or is in a NICU unit for, you know, for a very traumatic birth or something that happened to them, then they become very, um, they're jealous and they, they, they start to put their back up a little bit, like, you know, like anybody would. So you have to engage them. And to me, you have to talk to the child and you have to talk to the siblings and you have to keep everybody on the same page. I never, ever, and remember, I have a cancer survivor too. And Mark is also very involved in the organization as the years have gone on. Um, I have never talked about anything that didn't engage them as, as a unit and let them know exactly what was going on, good or bad. And there was a lot of times I had to deliver messages that weren't so great. So the 
the um, transparency and the powerfulness of what's going on in these families is what I bring to the board and to my volunteers. I want them to understand the passion that they need for this. This is not just check it off on, on your college application. This is, I, I need your buy-in and I need you to understand it. And if it's something that you're not as passionate about or can't really understand what we're doing, then maybe this organization is not for you. But I go across, you know, across the board from, you know, kids, young kids to adults and corporate, you know, donors as well. Everybody has to be clear as to what the mission and the vision is. And I think that's something sometimes people talk about their mission, but they don't talk about how they carry it out. So what, what I try to do is to say, you know, we're helping families of children with cancer. Well, what does that mean? You know, how, how do you do this? What I don't understand. So you have to really break it down and inspire them so that they understand the results of what you're trying to do. And you're doing that by fundraising, working with these social workers and literally sending out these checks and gift cards and toys and all these different things that we're doing to make that person's life better so that they have a much clearer understanding and a visual, like you said, I'm a visual person as well. They can really see the impact that the organization is making. Uh, Tammy Severino does my grant writing. She's on my board. Um, one of the biggest things is, you know, when you're applying for a grant is not just your P&Ls, but to show, you know, show that grantor that, that, that you're trying to get some money from exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it, how many people you've connected and um, connect the dots, so to speak, as, as I tell always the story, say. right? Tell the it's story. A story, tell the story and tell it with, you know, with real passion, because, you know, People don't today, I think more than ever, Tanya, they want to be more involved. The donors don't just want to write checks. And I don't want them to just write checks. I don't care if they write a check or they don't write a check. I'd love them to write a check. <laughs> but I want them to be focused on the mission and I want them to be invested in the, the organization, in the nonprofit foundation, and understand the impact that their dollar is making. I don't look at a donor with just a dollar. And, you know, you said Mike Billia was uh, checked in before. He's a board member and a very, very fantastic, just a fantastic person with Investors Bank. They have been so gracious. And he gets it. He understands. Uh, we've done so much work together. Um, and it inspires him. And as a result of him being inspired, he brings that message to his friends and family and colleagues. And that's how we've grown um, so that we try to keep, you know, the, the family growing. My mother-in-law used to say, if you hook up with Terry, then you Velcro to her for life. <laughs> and I laugh, you know, but she really had a point there because I, I'm always trying to reach back out. Um, if, if your check was $25 or $2,500, it's all impactful. I didn't have any of it when I woke up this morning. So that $25 is buying a gift card. Um, you have to be a leader that inspires and that listens because the board has a lot of ideas. But if you don't listen to their ideas and try and carry them out and in, and in you know kind of uh, put them in a position where they can lead a cause, or an, or an event, I think you're making a big mistake with your board. I have, uh, you know, I have championed all of my board members and a lot of them run and run an event themselves. The car show is run by Tom Galati. The um, sporting events are run by Jimmy Montana. Uh, it's, you know, everybody has something, something to do. And if they're not running it directly, then they're on a committee and they're, you know, working together. But, um, you know, we pivot when we need to, but I think that um, leaders of nonprofits have to be open-minded and to honestly, to, to really, to listen, be transparent and get your message back out to everybody, your donors and, and your volunteers as to the work that you're doing and engage them, engage them so that they really understand what the cause is and see the impact that they're doing. And they do, they see it. You know, we share the thank yous and, you know, we do we do all of that stuff. Gina is on uh, Gina DeMarco with RGD uh, Marketing. They do my website and she does all my social posts and she, you know, really uh, is very creative in the way that she presents things. But she's always trying to see those personal stories and those personal. We did a post for Doctor's Day for Dr. Weinblatt. It had over 4000 views. 
uh, the Cancer Center for Kids put it on their website, on, on their uh, Facebook page, and it had over 600 views and lots and lots of comments. I think you need to always bring it down, take it from the cloud and bring it down to reality and let people be able to touch it and feel it and understand it. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's so much more to running the organization than just fundraising. Fundraising is how the dollars come in. The grant writing is how the dollars come in. All important. But, you know, we encourage people, you know, to do matching and Amazon Smile and all those kinds of things. But in-kind is great also. And um, just their, my board does not pay a certain amount. I don't have a board that, um, you know, they have to donate a certain amount. Um, I'm more interested in their time and their expertise and their ability to network me. Um, and I, I, we go a lot further. And we've started now to work with a lot of organizations like that. We work with uh, the Book Fairies, Marty Lyons Foundation, Friends of Karen. <clears throat> I think as they see what we're doing, the volunteers get even more involved because now they can see how it grows and grows and it grows exponentially. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, so much there and a lot of, lot of really great stuff I want to share out, you know, just about having your folks focused on the mission and being invested. And you said something, uh, if you said transparency once, you said it nine times during this program today. Because It's so but true. It, but it's so true, man. You know, it's so true. We want to know, you know, as board members, as volunteers, we want to know what's going on. Uh, we want to know the story. Um, and, and I wrote down a leader that inspires and listens to them. You know, this, this is, you're an incredible leader and people, this is what leaders do, you know, the Velcro thing that your mother-in-law said, but this is what leaders do, inspire people to take action, to want to run through walls for you. Just a couple of shout outs, Tammy Severino, my buddy over at Girl Scouts of uh, Suffolk County, CEO, Tammy, I miss you. We are so way overdue. I want to say hello. I don't know if I've ever met Gina, but I'm guessing with a name like DeMarco, she probably has a capital M in the middle of her name like I do. So hello. He does. <laughs> you don't, maybe you should get a capital M. Uh, <laughs> Mike Billy again, Jimmy Montana. I haven't met yet, but I have three of my four kids now play lax. So we got to talk about that whole thing. And I certainly got to get one of my boys that uh, the hoodie I saw on the website with the, with the logo and the and the lacrosse stick and the whole thing. So we'll talk about that. We do have, we do have to squeak, squeak out, squeak out. Yeah, let's squeak out to a quick break. And um, when we come back, Terry, I want to hear about what do we do? I call it the lightning round. Where do we go from here? Where is this organization going to go? I know it has been a local type organization, but you and I have talked about that. And what do you need? Who do you want to meet? Who do you want to collab with? That kind of stuff. All right. Just a lot of stuff. Only an hour's worth of conversation. I want you to put inside the nine minutes. All right. <laughs> no problem. We'll do that when you come back. We'll take a quick break. Philanthropy and focus. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofit 
Terry, I, I, I'm looking at the two of us on the screen, and I see with the dark hair and wearing the red. The red. Yeah, it's like we planned out our costumes together today. <laughs> I let my hair down and everything like that. So. <laughs> I was thinking of that when you were when you were fixing your tie. I was like, look at that. Well, red's a powerful color. It's my I favorite color. I love it. Even if you look at the pictures behind me, you know. Yep, you're in red. I'm yep. always a red tie, you know. So I love yep. that. I will. The secret is out. Well, it's going to be out. I'm a Maxinista. So I picked this tie up yesterday for $6.99 at TJ Maxx. You know, I big, love it. Because you know what? When I spill coffee on it, like next week, I can just put it in the garbage and go buy another $6.99 tie. Very right. strategic, the guy in the attic is. All right, let's figure this out. Where where can this organization go? As a, as a visionary leader, as somebody who inspires this volunteer army that you have, I get the impression that you think big. And when, when we recently reconnected and, you know, maybe a month and a half ago to talk about getting together and doing the show, you shared with me your vision for where the organization can go. And to be honest, I was a little surprised. I was like, wow, you know, like the, I hadn't thought that that's so let's share with everybody what I'm talking about as far as growth and things like that. Yeah. So, um, one, one of my biggest things was to try and just spread this, uh, this, good work that we do throughout the United States. So our basic, <clears throat> our basic hospitals are here on Long Island and in New York, and it's, it's Stony Brook, Cohen's, the medical center a little bit, NYU, Long Island, and then the Manhattan hospitals, NYU and New York Presbyterian. So as we're working through those, I'm starting to get some calls and, um, they're from social workers from other parts of the United States that are telling me they found us or a mom found us. So now I said to Paul, you know, I think the day has come that I'm going to retire from NYU Langone full time work on this foundation. So at the end of middle of July uh, 20, 2020, I left NYU and I focused um, you know, all of my efforts on building this foundation on more of a national basis, Zoom calling and working with social workers all over the United States that are reaching out to me. So it's not, um, I'm not strategically going into one area or another. It's as they're coming to me. So there's hospitals in Texas now, California. Um, yesterday, I got a call from um, an adjunct hospital of St. Jude's. So I was, I was a little surprised. And I said, wow, I said, St. Jude's pays for everything. Um, where can, how can I help you? And she said, it's the same thing that you do and say about all of the insurance carriers, St. Jude's pays for everything medical, but then it's that utility bill that's falling between the cracks. So now I have a connection over there, chops in Philadelphia. So what I do is I try to zoom call with them as a team and, um, educate them on what we do and the process of how to vet the families and to how to get the funding, um, to them, you know, to, to the vendors that they're asking me to help, help them with. And uh, it's, it's growing exponentially. I'm, I'm probably now in about six different states. I have a board member that lives in Chicago. Uh, I have somebody who lives in um, Atlanta, North Carolina. They've, uh, they've moved over the course of, of the years for their jobs or because of COVID or whatever reason it was. And so they're my, um, my champions in those states to find me the hospitals that do pediatric hematology oncology. So again, it's those volunteers that have that passion to, to understand and connect me now with people. And as they're connecting and giving me a name, I'll call them. We'll have some Zoom calls and try and add them to the list and give them an understanding of exactly what we do. So it's really a grassroots growing um, and so as a result, now we can reach out um, for grant writing in different places, we can reach out, you know, to corporations in different places. And that's, that's kind of what I look for are the corporations to help referrals means it's a sick child at the end of a referral. So um, I, you know, in the world of networking, we talk about referrals and who who's your best referrals. For me, it's what companies can I access to talk to somebody? There's a lot of initiatives out on the table for corporate giving, and there's corporate giving offices in different corporations. Um, that's who I'm looking to network with now. And on our five-year plan, 
really three-year plan as we do it. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of what we're looking for is to learn who those people are and then start to have conversations with them and maybe eventually get to a point where we can, um, you know, put an RFP in to one of these organizations to be eligible for a grant that they may be able to write for us. So that's that's a, a quick and dirty account yeah. of where we are. That, that's that's awesome. I mean, you know, only another page of notes I have on my desk because, you know, this is actually a radio show we're doing, but I'm networking the whole time. I'm like, all right, I'm drawing pictures of who I can connect to with the whole thing because, you know, I can't help myself when it comes to this. Um, but I, the, I, we have people in Atlanta. I, we have a, I just got back from Tampa because we have this national networking group, TNG, the networking group. And, you know, we were just in Tampa. Um, we're expanding into into Texas. We have a contingent out on the West Coast. So, you know, the more you and I have these discussions, I mean, I see it, it's twofold. It's getting you hooked into the communities that we have around the country for for so they can help you access the people in the pediatric hematology and oncology departments, right? But then also who supports that, you know, financially is is the local corporate giving the dollars that are in these communities. So I, I mean, being away with my my friends from TNG in Tampa who are around the country. I'm excited. I mean, you mentioned Philly. We have people in Philly. So I, there's a lot here. I, you know, my friend Dylan is telling me we have three minutes till the end of the show, which is a, a note like Tommy D stop networking. You're doing a show like do that right now. And then you and Terry can go network later on. I think that's what Dylan was saying. Um, so, so I want to talk to you all about this. Where do you see, um, do, you, do you take this on the road? I know you said Zoom call, Zoom call, Zoom call. But do you see yourself taking this? Is is Terry going to get in, get on a plane and, and go kind of be the yeah? Ambassador? That's that's the ultimate goal. And so now that things are opening up and the hospitals are able to you know to bring people in and we can have you know maybe dinner someplace outside of the facility even just to be able to talk about how we can help their families. That's actually what the goal is. So um, you know I go back and forth. There's a hospital in Southwest Florida, Golisano Children's Hospital. It's part of the Lee Health System. And one of my board members lives in Naples, Florida. So we we were going to Florida every single year. We were running actually events in Florida, um, allocated all towards Galasano Children's Hospital. Uh, now it's been you know the zooms. But like you said at the beginning, <clears throat> we're all looking forward to get you know getting in front of the people because there's nothing like that eye contact and really being able to see that body you know uh, the changes and and yeah. see if they're really paying attention to what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's critical. And, I, and not to mention, I like being in a room with people, you know, <laughs> like it, it's the body language. And it's funny. I shout out to my buddy, Joe Priscilla, who, who taught us a lot about reading people, connecting with people. You'd love this guy. We should actually probably have him do. He's a, he's a mentalist and he hypnotized us while we were away at this conference. I'm not really sure if I'm here with you right now or if I'm still hypnotized. I think I'm here, but I don't really know. All right, we did. We, I'm a little silly. I'm just trying to be silly, Terry. Um, <laughs> Terry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for everybody who checked in on Facebook. Thank you for your team who supported you. You know, Gina certainly helped out, you know, from a marketing perspective. I love Tammy and all the work she's doing around the island. Um, so I appreciate your friendship. I cannot wait to see you again in person. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Um, when and if you need, look, the Italian ice thing, whether it be the car show. Oh, mention these things really quick. Uh, June 9th is golf. Oh, so June June 9th is golf at the Cold Spring Country Club. We're closed for golfers, but we're open for dinners and some of the smaller sponsorships if people would like to join us. The dinner's fun. We have Chris Monti, a comedian that comes to that. He's a lot of fun. July 20th, we're doing like just um, an imp just a fun casual beach event at the crescent beach club in bayville um, that's uh, wednesday july 20th and the car show uh tom galati and i are still negotiating it's probably going to be at the broadway mall in august it's usually a monday night but we just haven't uh confirmed the date yet come back to me on that if you ever want the italian ice is my my uh my dad runs the store out in huntington ralph's ices so if you ever need anything we can always do that all right. I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. I'm going to close the show and just mention who's coming on next week. But Terry, thank you so much for being thank, here. Thank you very, very much, Tommy. Welcome, Thanks. Bye-bye. Yep, you got it. Next week on the show, Encourage Kids Foundation, which helps humanize healthcare for children and families by resourcing impact-driven pediatric programs and supporting the child life community, which came up, obviously, in our conversation today. 
Michelle Hall Duncan, who was the CEO there, started out as a volunteer in 1996 and is now the CEO. So talk about nonprofit, talk about the arc of the work that we do here in this sector. This is Philanthropy and Focus. Dylan, you did a hell of a job on the other side taking care of things, keeping me in line. Terry, again, thank you. We'll see you guys next week, 10 a.m. on Friday, Philanthropy and Focus.